As you guys take a seat, my name is Braden Rodriguez. I'm our student and 1825 pastor here at our LifePoint Delaware campus. Thank you uh, so much for being here this morning. Hopefully you guys got uh, a, a belly full of Thanksgiving food this week and got to see family and enjoy time with family uh, in a uh, long weekend. And uh, guests, uh, thank you so much for being here. I want to direct your attention to a resource that we have uh, curated for you this morning. Uh, it's called lpguest.com. If this is your first time, second time, uh, third time, or you've just never been to this website and you would like to know what it is, you can pull out your smartphone, go to lpguest.com. You'll see there's some QR codes in front of you as well that'll bring you to there. Uh, and once you get there, uh, guess there's our, our message notes. There's a few different resources uh, from our website. Uh, but the main thing I want to point you to this morning is our guest information card. Uh, we would love for you to tell us that you were here. Uh, tell us your name and what you're interested in here uh, so we can get you most meaningfully connected in the quickest way possible. Uh, and so you're not signing up for some big email chain uh, or anything like that, but we'll connect you to the right person. Uh, this morning. And then at the bottom of our guest information card, it will have a list of ministries that you can select from uh, here in the uh, Delaware area. And if you'll select uh, one of those, we'll donate $5 in your honor. No strings attached, just to say uh, thank you for being here. And so uh, if you would do that this morning, let us know you were here. Uh, church family, again, welcome uh, to you. We also have, uh, if you've noticed, some white Christmas trees out in our lobby. Uh, they're not just for aesthetic. Uh, they are very nice, uh, uh, but it is our blessing tree. Uh, every year we uh, are able to uh, do this, uh, and you'll see there's some QR codes near it as well. What this is for, our blessing tree, is for uh, people to go uh, and tell us if they know uh, about someone who has uh, a single, if they're a single parent and have children and could use uh, that blessing uh, this year from our church. We do a lot of things uh, out in our community. Uh, we're able to give out a lot in our community, uh, but this is one of the few things that we get to do internally for our members and regular attenders uh, who need uh, the help this year. So again, if you know uh, a single uh, a parent who's uh, going through into this season uh, and could use that blessing, please go out there, uh, scan that QR code, and let us know about that. We would hate for someone uh, to be glossed over. And you're like, well, I know of someone. Should I go sign up? What if someone else puts them on there? That's okay. We can sift through uh, the list. Feel free to go out and do that. A couple of other things uh, this morning I want to let you know. We don't have student ministry uh, tonight, and so I'm the student pastor, right? I got to throw in one, one little thing. We don't have students tonight. Uh, enjoy, again, that long weekend, students, with your family. But let me catch you up now to where we've been thus far in this series, right? This is the last week of our series in which we've called Exiles. Exiles, we've been walking through the book of Daniel, and we've been looking at these guys named uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, these pretty popular characters. And uh, we've been looking uh, in this exile series, the tagline to our series is this, is citizens of a different kingdom. Ultimately, yes, they are part of the kingdom of Babylon, but we see that they are part of this different kingdom, a heavenly kingdom. Thus far in the book, uh, we've looked at the first few chapters. We're going to be in chapter 6 today, so if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open to Daniel 6. But where we've been in the first couple of chapters is that we see these boys, Daniel and his friends, captured, brought into Babylon, and are re-educated, retrained. Uh, at one point, uh, his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, are thrown 
into a fiery furnace. Daniel is often hard-pressed by giving hard news to these foreign kings. And yet, Daniel and the boys are always faithful. That every time they're faced with this hard situation to give hard news to the king, they do it. When they're faced with the worship of idols, they don't bow down. They worship the living God. And yet, in all of this, they even love their enemies. Pray for their enemies. Seek the welfare of their enemies. And they do this all in the name of the Most High God, Yahweh. We see in Jeremiah that Jeremiah actually prophesies that this is going to happen. That this is going to happen, that the the people have sinned against God and they're going to be taken into Babylonian captivity and they're going to be there for about 70 years. Jeremiah 29, 11, we know this popular verse. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to bring you to a peace and an end. That's right in the middle of right before what Jeremiah would say is, hey, you're going to go into captivity for 70 years. And when you're in captivity, here's what I want you to do. And Daniel and the boys, they do everything that Jeremiah has said. That when he gets brought into captivity, his friends get brought into captivity, what we're going to see here in chapter 6 is they've been there for 66 years now. The 70 years that Jeremiah has prophesied is coming to this closing end and people are going to start to get brought back to Jerusalem And to rebuild the temple, we see that in Nehemiah and Ezra, those books later on in the Old Testament. But what happens is in Jeremiah 29, he says, hey, while you're living in captivity for 70 years, I'm going to ask you to do something. Seek the welfare of the city. Grow your families. Continue to follow God. And then we get verse 11. For now I know I have have the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. He's going to bring you back one day. And here we see all of this played out. Daniel and his friends have been under multiple administrations. They've been studying for quite some time. And now Daniel is probably in his late 70s, early 80s, and has been in Babylon for about 66 years. Faith is more about how you live over where you live. That's what we've talked about every week in this series. Faith is about how you live more than where you live. These guys are ever faithful in the midst of a society that is full of idolatry, jealousy, evil satraps, and evil officials. They all call upon God the whole time. They all seek the welfare of the city the whole time. And they're faithful to God and his commands the whole time. I think that hits really close to home. That we live in a culture now that is this myriad of ideas and ideals and evils. And I think God is calling us to do the same thing. That as we live as exiles waiting for our heavenly home, that we would live faithful. No matter that's in your job, in the coffee shop, in the gym, here at church, in your homes. Where there's a myriad of ideas floating around, a myriad of evils and idols floating around, that you would be called to live faithful to the Most High God. Today, as we look at Daniel chapter 6, I'm going to ask this question up front, and we're going to hopefully uh, jump through all of this question as we continue on. But the main question I want to ask you today is who and how are you serving faithfully? Who and how do you serve faithfully? We'll look at that in Daniel chapter 6. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We give you all glory and honor for you are the only one worthy of it all. 
God, today as we open your word, we ask that you would take the seed of your word and plant it deep into our hearts. Father, would your word produce in us 30, 60, and 100 fold as your word has said. And as the old prayer goes, Father, what we know not today, would you teach us? What we are not today, would you make us? And what we have not today, would you give us? All for the sake of your son, who is our savior. Amen. Daniel 6, starting in verses 1 through 5, says this. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom the satraps should give account so that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set Daniel over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground of complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could not find ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. No error or fault was found in him. And then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with his God. So what's happening here in Daniel chapter 6, it's the start of one of the most probably famous stories that we get out of Daniel. It's Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel has been super faithful to the king over multiple administrations, has been super amazing, and has now been promoted many times throughout the kingdom. And now this new king comes and he says, I'm going to set up all these uh, satraps, officials, governors, mayors, whatever you want to call them. I'm going to set up all of these officials and I'm going to have these guys that are like my three right hand and Daniel as one. And ultimately, Daniel shows himself to be so faithful, so excellent, so faultless and errorless in serving the king that he says, this guy will be the one that everyone answers to. And he says he's got this excellent spirit. We'll jump into that here in a moment. But where I want to start today is with Jesus. And why? Why do I want to start with Jesus at the beginning of Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 5? Because it says in the scriptures, here's why. Because it says in the scriptures that all of the law and the prophets and the Psalms point to Jesus. Jesus would say in John chapter 5 that all of it bears witness to him. Where do we see Jesus here? Daniel was a great prophet. Yes, a faithful prophet. Yes, a prophet with an excellent spirit was faultless and errorless, at least in regards to uh, King Darius and King Nebuchadnezzar. But you know what? There's a prophet who was more faithful, even when everyone was faithless to him. There was this prophet who was more distinguished above any other official. There was this prophet with a more excellent spirit. There was this prophet with a more faultless record, no error record than this, Jesus, the one who was, is, and will always be the highest official, prophet, priest, and king, the one who was God and man at the same time, wrapped on humanity, yet all divinity, and had a spirit flow out of him that was more excellent than any spirit named the Holy Spirit. There was one who was faithful to the very end, and there was one with a spotless, sinless, uh, errorless record. And which was good enough to save us. Daniel is amazing, yes. And we'll get to that. And we'll, and we'll see what that has to do with our lives. But Jesus was more amazing. 
He was the prophet that Daniel points to in the latter half of the book. He's the one to come to make all things right. So why is this important for us today? Because without God, without Jesus, Daniel had no hope to live a life close to this. Without who Daniel served, there's no hope for Daniel. If we aren't serving the most high God, the the highest of all creation, right? Jesus, the one who was born into creation. If we're not serving the God who wrapped on flesh, we have no hope to even look close to faithful. We have no hope to look any sort of excellent. Jesus comes. He dies for us in our place so that we might know him, that we might serve him. Yes, faith is about how you live more than where you live. Let me add something to that, though. Faith is about who you have faith in and what you're going to do about it. Yes, it is about how you live over where you live, but it is more about who you have faith in. Because if you have faith in yourself, what you're going to find is that you will be utterly broken at the end of it all. If Daniel had faith in in himself we would see that his end of this passage would be a whole lot different. It's because he has faith in the most high God, the one over all of creation. And we have the same opportunity and offer today that we can serve God. Daniel has lived now into his 70s, possibly into his 80s, faithfully serving God, faithfully following God, faithfully having relationship with God. And the offer today for us is the same. The offer of salvation, the hope of the gospel, that God would step out of holy perfection, be born of a virgin, live a perfect 33 years, die on a cross with a sinless record, putting our sin. It says, at the right time, God came and died for us while we were still sinners putting our sin upon his shoulders, going to the grave and raising up three days later to bring new life, yes. Yes, he walks in new life, but he gets to bring life for us with him. And now he says, come, have faith, believe, follow me. And this is the the key distinguishing factor that is going to skew the rest of our lives. If we have faith in ourselves, we have no hope. But if we have faith in the one who is worthy, we have this great hope. Without him, we have no hope to live faithful anywhere and everywhere. But with him, we can. We continue on in Daniel 6, verse 6. It says, These high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. And the high officials of the kingdom and the prefects and the satraps and the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into a den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction, sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. A couple of things here. What we see are that these guys are still ridiculously jealous and envious of Daniel, as they've always been. I'm sure now they've got new high, uh, high officials, satraps, prefects, governors that are part of this uh, new administration, and they are still full of jealousy and envy. And we still get a king who is full of pride and insecurity. 
that these guys are the opposite of a faithful life. These guys are arrogant, boastful, rude, pride, all of the things that are just the opposite of the Christian life. And they come before the king and they say, oh, king, we love you. Not really. They just hate Daniel. They're seeking their own interest over the king's, but whatever. And they come with jealousy and envy and they say, oh, king, might you be worshipped for 30 days? Might you, may, may you be lifted up to this level of God? May everyone pray to you for the next 30 days. Their jealousy and envy meets the king's insecurity and pride. They stroke his ego a little bit and he says, you know what? That's not a bad idea. You know what? Yeah, let everyone worship me. Let everyone love me. Let everyone pray to me for the next 30 days. Surely I'm attained to the level of deity, right? Or at least people need to see me as such. I think it's this beautiful mess mashup between his pride and insecurity that lets this deification come to himself. I think ultimately we see Nebuchadnezzar has that happen and he says that he gets thrown out into this field for seven periods of time and his hair grows like eagle feathers. I'm really curious on what that looks like, by the way. So maybe if someone could look that up and let me know at the end what hair like eagle's feathers looks like. But we see another king filled with pride and insecurity. Let me say this. A faithful life is not of pride, envy, uh, jealousy, or insecurity. What a faithful life is, is serving and submissive, and humble, and gospel identity secured. Let me throw that last slide up. What a faithful life is not, is how these guys live. They live in jealousy, and envy, and strife. The king lives in pride, and insecurity. If we want to live faithful lives, we've got to push all of those things aside, and we've got to look at what it truly is, a life of servitude, and submissiveness, and humility. That's how Daniel has served every king in this administration. That's how Daniel has served his God the whole time. He has submitted to the king, submitted to God, served the king, served God, was humble in all of his actions throughout the book. Never pointing to himself, but always pointing upwards. We see this is the New Testament call of Jesus to his disciples. He says, hey, the last will be first. He says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, humble yourself. Then he'll, Jesus in uh, Matthew chapter 20 will say, hey, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And essentially looks at his disciples and says, so you do likewise. I'm the high king of heaven and I didn't even come to be served, but I came to serve. So love one another. The faithful life is one of, we say it on our staff here recently, mutual voluntary submission. That we bend and to one another and we love one another and we submit to one another, serving one another in humility. And that last part, his identity is secure. We see the king's identity is insecure. Right, yeah, worship me. Either he thinks he's on the level of God or that he should be on the level of God or probably a combination of the both. Daniel says, no, I'm very secure in whom I serve God alone. We see this in verses 10 through 13. And when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. 
Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea. He's asking God for help. Verse 11, plea before his God. And then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into a den of lions? And the king answers, this thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Yes, I said it. I signed it. That's what happened. Verse 13, they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king. Or the injunction you have signed, but makes petition three times a day. What happens here is that Daniel hears that the, the document had been signed and he says, okay, <laughs> I'm still going to go serve my God faithfully, which he's done for 66 years in Babylon this entire time. He says, you know what? I'm still going to go and I'm going to go up into my room and I'm going to pray. Windows open three times a day. I'm still going to continue, continually serve my God in faithfulness. What seems to be brought up in this passage is Daniel versus Darius. But I don't think it's actually Daniel versus Darius here. I like the way that one of the commentators said it as I was studying this week. On one hand, we have Darius, the ruler of all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth and enforcer of the law of the Medes and the Persians. On the other hand, not Daniel, who we have is the God of Daniel, working signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth and the enforcer of the Jewish law. The kingdom's Overlap, and the question of sovereignty has to be resolved. This is by Trimper Longman III. Not that that name matters to us this morning. I just thought he had a really cool name, right? But it's not Daniel versus Darius here. It is God and his kingdom. And ultimately, what we're going to see is this kingdom of darkness clashing against one another. Later in the book of Daniel, Daniel's going to pray for quite some time. And this angel appears to Daniel. And he says, Daniel, I was on my way. I heard God sent me. But we got in this spiritual battle along the way. There's this battle that is happening in the heavenlies. As Daniel goes to pray. As Daniel faithfully serves God. We see this as a New Testament idea as well. That Paul would say, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. This is not Daniel versus Darius. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. But what he says, Paul says, is we're wrestling against these rulers and principalities over this dark age. And this comes to light here. That these kingdoms begin to clash. Maybe we need to take a step back sometimes and say, hey, this person is not necessarily giving me a personal attack. But see it for what it most truly is. Is that there's this kingdom of light inside of us. And as we're trying to live for it, there's this kingdom out here that's trying to work against us. And I'm not saying that we should look for the devil and a, and a, and a demon under every rock. But I'm saying maybe we should just take a step back and, being, and instead of being so quickly offended, looking at it for what it truly is. Maybe this is just the kingdom of darkness trying to push back. And trying to stifle me in my serving faithfully to God. What do we see that Daniel does in this kingdom battle? It says he goes to his room, opens his windows, and prays towards Jerusalem three times a day as he had already previously done. He continues on in being faithful. Why does he open his windows towards Jerusalem? In 1 Kings chapter 8, 35 and 36, they're dedicating the temple Solomon has now beautifully built. And Solomon says, God, if we ever sin against you, may we come down on our knees and pray towards this place that you may forgive us. Daniel goes to his room three times a day just as he had always done, praying towards the temple. 
surely asking for God's help and salvation, even in the midst of their rebellion, even in the midst of their exile. And he does it three times a day. Psalm 55 verse 17 is probably where they got this habit from. Evening and morning and noon, I cry out in distress and he hears my voice. Play this math out with me for any math nerds in the room. If Daniel prays three times a day, right? That's at least three times. And he does it every day of the year, 365 days a year. And he does it for 66 years in which he's been in captivity. Daniel has now offered up 72,270 prayers at least before his God. Praying, God, would you move? God, would you help? God, would you save? A faithful life is a life marked with prayer. If we have any hope to serve God faithfully, it is a life marked with prayer. I love Psalm 116 verse 2. I've probably said it every time I preach on a Sunday morning, and you'll continue to hear me preach on Sunday mornings this verse. Psalm 116 verse 2. Because he bends down to listen to me, therefore I will pray as long as I have breath, the psalmist says. I love the way the ESV says it. He says, because God has inclined his ear to me, I will call on on him as long as I live. What does this picture of inclination look like? My daughter Naomi, she's really shy, right? And if she were to walk into this room right now, one, she would probably cry uh, because her mom's not holding her. But then two, there's so many people in here. What she would do is she would run to either Hannah or I and cling to our leg. And she would look up to us. And what she's looking for is us to get down on our level. You've seen it before. The little girl, the little boy in your family walks into the room. They're shy. They cup their hands to their mouth at their father's leg and they look up. And what does the father do? He cups his hands to his ears and he bends down to listen. This is the picture of inclination. God gets up out of his heavenly lazy boy, right? And he cups his hands to his ears to listen to his children. Because he has inclined his ears to listen to me, I will call on him as long as I live. Morning, evening, noon, I call out on God. He hears my voice. In Jeremiah 29, he says, seek God. You'll find him. Call on him. He will answer. Maybe not in the way that we expect, but he answers and he hears. I'm sure in Daniel's prayer as he heard, hey, God, uh, I think I'm going to get thrown into the lion's den for this. Maybe like mitigate that. Right? Like maybe not let me get thrown into the lion's den. God answers Daniel's prayers, but I'm sure it's nothing like Daniel expected it to. Because what we're going to see in the next few verses is Daniel does get dropped in a lion's den. I'm sure Daniel had no idea of how it was all going to play out or how it was going to work out and how God was going to save him. He just knew. Hey God, I'm going to throw this before you. And whatever the answer be, let it be. I love this hymn. I'll read it to you. I love this hymn as I was... Uh, Looking and studying this morning, I found this. It's about this life of prayer. Would you fear to have your windows open three times each day if sinners saw that you were kneeling three times to pray? Keep your windows open towards Jerusalem and always pray. Would you offer up a bold petition if you well knew that awful den of lions awaited you? Would you kneel believing every promise that the Lord has given or thinking silently prayer sufficient for you in heaven? The lesson taught is not to offer a worldwide prayer. Tis duty first and then the promise of heaven's care. Then kneeling at morning and noon and evening. Nor ever fear that others who are unbelieving 
your prayer may hear. Essentially, what the hymn writer is saying is, would you be bold enough to get on your knees and pray in spite of who's watching, in spite of the consequences, not because heaven has promised to us. He says, no, 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 duty first, then the promises. Will you get on your knees as duty first and then say, God, you answer the way that you will. This is the reason we trust him because of his character and his faithfulness. We continue on in the last few verses, verses 14 through 24. Then the king, when he had heard these words, was uh, much distressed, and he set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Now, O king, that is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded that Daniel was brought and cast into the lion's den. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and the signet of his lords, and nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace, and he spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. The king has had a worse night than Daniel, by the way, is what we're about to see. Then at daybreak, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And he came near to the den where Daniel was, and he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? I love Daniel's response. O king, live forever. My God has sent his angels to shut the mouths of the lion, that they may not harm me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him. Not a scratch, not a hair out of place. Because he had trusted in his God, the king commanded that those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into that den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. Before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones to pieces. Some people think that maybe Darius has stuffed the lions to their fill. Maybe some think that these lions are just docile, sleeping lions. That maybe that's why they don't attack Daniel. Maybe that's why that they don't come and eat Daniel. No, Daniel very clearly says, it wasn't that they were filled to the brim and it wasn't that they were docile lions. No, God has come and he has shut their mouths. I'd like to imagine that Daniel has probably slept on one of their fluffy manes all night as the king is fasting and in anguish over his decision that Daniel is in complete rest. And we'll see that it is not because they're docile, not full lions or full lions because when the enemies get dropped in, it says before they even reach the bottom, their bones are broken. God has produced a miracle here. Why? I think all of these things kind of come to a head here. That because of Daniel's faithfulness and looking towards God, praying towards God, being humble, submissive, serving, that God has shown himself faithful back to Daniel. We don't serve God, by the way, because he's going to give us something in return. We just serve God. But what we do see is that oftentimes when we're serving the Lord and we're faithful to the Lord, God has always been faithful back to us in many ways. And as a result of this faithfulness of God towards Daniel, someone gets to know God in his true power. And his name is Darius. As God has been faithful to Daniel, Darius sees. In this next few verses, he says, 
Then the king wrote to all the people and the nations and the languages that dwell in the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. And he is the living God, the enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Then the last verse of the chapter. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus of Persia. What we see is that Daniel faithfully serves God. And as a result of it, Darius gets to see God's faithfulness to his people. The first decree is this, is everyone look at me and worship me. His second decree, as he sees the faithfulness of God, he says, everyone look up. There's a faithful God in heaven who is over all things, who his kingdom will endure forever. This proclamation would have likely been sent out to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people in his kingdom. That is a result of one man's living faithful to God. Another man gets to see it. And then it's proclaimed to millions, if not hundreds of thousands of people. I want to end with this thought. A faithful life results in others seeing God's faithfulness. A faithful life results in others seeing God's faithfulness. You serving God, you following God, you will never know the domino effect it may have. My mom bringing me to church, I don't think she had any inclination that one day I'd become a pastor. Maybe she did. Maybe she didn't tell me. I don't know. But I don't think when we started going to church that she had any inclination that I would even be standing here this morning sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to this many people. The result of one person's faithfulness could change lives forever. I've seen multiple students, 6 through 25 years old, 6th grade through 25 years old, give their lives to Jesus as a result of my mom's faithfulness. I I track back my, my spiritual lineage. There was this man His family didn't follow Jesus. He begins to follow Jesus. He has a son. He teaches his son about Christ. That son becomes a doctor, right? Not a doctor of like medicine, but a doctor in ministry and preaches faithfully for decades. That man shared Christ with his son who went into business and later in life, decided that God was calling him to something different, began to go to seminary, becomes a faithful preacher of God's word. That guy pours into this, his name's David, pours into this guy named Kyle, who pours into this guy named Marshall, who poured into me. Each one of those men before me are pastors, preachers, and teachers who have reached thousands. And I just got to be one. You never know. As a result of one man's faithfulness, probably over 100 years ago, I get to stand before you knowing Christ in a true way. Who knows whether or not your kids and their grandkids and hundreds of thousands of more might know Jesus as a result of your faithfulness today. So I end with this. Will you be a faithful witness? Who will you serve? How will you serve him? Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. God, we ask that we all would faithfully serve you. That today we would look up 
instead of look at ourselves and we would give you your glory and your worship. Today, maybe you've never started a relationship with Jesus. The offer of the scriptures is this, is that today is the day of salvation, that you can have a relationship with God. You can talk to God. God can hear you. He offers that. He offers salvation and new life. It says when we come to faith in him that our, our death is gone and we are raised to walk in new life with Jesus. Our heart of stone where we had no hope now is a flesh heart and he fills us with his spirit. That's the offer today. Would you know him before you leave this place? If that's you, I would encourage you today. I know this is a big step during this song. Back to your uh, uh, right is our exit. Our next steps team will be out there. Please go and talk with someone this morning about what that decision would look like. And for the rest of us, as we've talked about how to serve God faithfully in humility and servitude and in secured identity in him with a life's mark with prayer and one that is evangelical going out and sharing this good news. Would you be faithful today? Maybe there's some things you need to tweak and change in your life. I know there are always things that I'm tweaking and changing in my life. I'm in the boat with you and so are the rest of us. Would you begin to look in, inwards and deeply and say, what is it that has to shift here that I may serve God faithfully? God, as we worship you today, may we move in action according to it according to your word. May we serve you faithfully, whether it be for the first time today, or we make those tweaks and changes as we've done all of our days. Pray all this in Jesus' name.